The opinions expressed on this show are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily represent those of Funeral Radio's management or sponsors. Welcome to the Green Burial Radio Program, a show preparing your funeral home for the growing number of families wanting more eco-friendly funeral services. Brought to you by Funeral Radio. And now your hosts, Joe Seahe and Sherry Wolf. Hi, this is Joe Seahe, and welcome to our program today. I'm here with Mark Harris, author of Grave Matters and an observer, an astute observer of the Green Burial Movement over the last decade, really. Thanks for joining us today, Mark. Yeah, glad to be here. So, you probably more than anyone that I know of has been um, following how things have been evolving in the U.S. when it comes to uh, all things associated with eco-friendly end-of-life rituals. Uh, What we're really trying to do is talk about issues for funeral directors primarily so that they're up to speed on on how to be prepared to serve families. But just wondered if you could take us through how you've seen things evolving over the last decade and any any changes you really think we need to be paying attention to. Uh, Well, when I first started working on the book, and well, it was really before I started working on the book, I was thinking about the idea and following this emerging movement and I spent a lot of time thinking about the actual green components of burial. So, you know, I looked at casket makers making caskets out of biodegradable material. I spent a lot of time um, with people who are starting national cemeteries, a lot of time with Billy Campbell, um, you know, followed families who did burials at sea and what have you, all the chapters that filled out the book. Um, but. What I have found um, in in all of that research is that families really needed to have a couple of things explained to them even before they got to the green burial component. So in the first two chapters of my book and really in subsequent talks over the years, I spent a lot of my time talking to families about what's actually required or, in fact, what's not required when when death comes calling. Um, so that piece, I think, is the, has been the big part of the conversation, that yes, families like what they see in green burial, uh, and as you know, many of the surveys show that uh, you know a good quarter percent uh, of families who hear about green burial like what they hear, but, um, but, but I've spent a lot of time walking families through um, what happens in modern burial, um, and the education that's happening in that quarter has been significant, and I think is driving, uh, helping to propel families to look at at green burial. So I spent a lot of my time disabusing readers, uh, audience members of what is required at at time of death. And uh, and that's been a very big part of this conversation, a bigger part, frankly, than I thought. I thought that families would want to hear about green burial. They'd want to hear about these eco-cemeteries. But in fact, what they're most interested in hearing about is uh, the embalming process, what uh, what has to be done when somebody passes away, uh, the fact that they can purchase a casket on their own or they can make one on their own, that the funeral director they hire has to use the third-party casket and can't charge a handling fee to do so. So all of that backstory to the green burials uh, component, 
I think has really been, for me, the part that has surprised me the most in the discussion that has garnered, I think, a lot of attention. So you're finding that Americans really are just not very aware of their rights and options when it comes to funeral service in general? No, I, I think, you know, they were, they were like me when I first started writing the book. They're pretty rankly ignorant. Uh, we don't plan funerals very often. And, uh, you know, when we do, we, we go in with not a whole lot of knowledge. This is, you know, the great taboo topic in this, in this country. Uh, so we, we go in as real uh, amateurs. So, um, so what, what I've been really pleased to see is around the Green Barrel Movement, this larger discussion about death and dying, which, is, um, which I think has been terribly helpful to families. Uh, and I think in the process, they're learning a lot about uh, what's required and what's not required when they walk into a funeral home or when they decide even to do it themselves. So that's a big part of, uh, that's a big part of this, this movement and a bigger part of the movement than, than I had even considered when I first started. Hmm. It's interesting. It, it seems with a lot of funeral directors, it's made them aware, and I suppose cremation has too, or direct cremation, which... I learned does not take place much outside of the United States. Um, it's made people in the field realize the limitations of of merchandising and 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 putting people in the position of making decisions. When, quite frankly, I think people really want to be held and want the space to make decisions and to go through what they need to go through. Um, they don't want to be put in a sales transaction. They don't want to be pressured. And I've found, um, and I don't know if you've seen this, but Green Burial, I think, has helped a lot of funeral directors maybe embrace a different ethic or, or, or think differently about the way they, they have um, to talk to families about these, these matters. It's certainly um, opened them up, I think, to, to, uh, to, to allowing or accommodating wishes that that wouldn't have been accommodating there there you know there's some interesting scenarios that have come up for a lot of funeral directors that they've never encountered before how to talk about you know decomposition or having to talk about it and accommodating people that want to you know dress a body but i think it's all great it's just uh it is it, it's we're we're you're probably seeing this too it seems to be putting people um pushing some slightly outside their comfort zone but I guess that's what any good funeral director should really be equipped to do, which is to handle a family however they need to be handled and not, not you know, prescribe anything that, you know, that, 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 that they think is, is right or have been told and just be open to, you know, to, to create that space. Do you think that the field is going to get professionalized to where um, there are more folks with psychosocial spiritual training coming forward and do, do you think that's necessary in, in your observations that's a good that's a good question i'm not i'm not sure i think that i think all businesses are having to deal with consumers more as individuals than as large masses uh of of, of people and there are lots of reasons for that i mean certainly an individual can get on twitter or facebook and uh you know, practically bring down a, a company uh, or certainly drive a lot of action, drive a lot of negative publicity toward, toward the company. So I think, you know, the, a, a large funeral industry is 
by the nature of business in the 21st century, got to cater more to individual wishes. And I think that consumers are not just in funeral matters, but but in all matters, as as they they purchase services, goods and services, I think they are increasingly in the driver's seat. Uh, so I think it behooves any business person, funeral directors included, to bring all kinds of talents to the table. And you know, basically, you know, the talents have to be of a very personal nature. It's uh, it's uh, you know how you deal with people, how you read people, and funeral directors certainly know how to do that. But I think they're going to have to do that, knowing that. Um, families are going to come to them um, knowing that the doors have been blown open a little bit more, that there are a lot more options than their parents or grandparents uh, were, were, were offered, and uh, that the degree to which funerals can be personalized uh, is, is going to be greater. So yes, I think a funeral director um, may have to be more of a spiritual director in some ways. It may have to be more of an environmentalist, may have to have some knowledge of of, uh, of environmental issues may have to uh, step outside his own, her own comfort zone to do something that's a little bit strange or something that's not uh, in the mortuary textbooks that they got in school. So, uh, so yes, I think they're going to have to. I think they're going to have to cater to the individual in a way that uh, previous generations of funeral directors didn't have to. So you're thinking that that the training component is going to have to change and and and, I, and I, it sounds to me like um, a lot of us have been scratching our heads wondering why mortuary science programs haven't been teaching about natural burial and, and green funeral service there's still a big focus on merchandising and embalming um, why do you think that they've been reluctant to to bring that into the curriculum well I've spoken to uh, you know at a number of mortuary schools and and I'm brought in to make the case for green burial, and um, the funeral directors stand up. The, the, the established funeral directors will stand up and say, "You know, listen, this is all very interesting, but I don't see this. Families are not coming to me asking me for these services, and so, <clears throat> frankly, they, as the professors, don't feel the need to push them. This is an interesting sideline." Uh, and I tell them, "Well, that may be true now, um, and that you may be servicing older clients who have not heard the word about green burial, or, or who have already made their plans, or not interested in this. They want to pursue what their parents or grandparents did, what their contemporaries are doing. Uh, but you know, as a business person, I think it behooves you, as a funeral director, to look down the road and see an emerging trend and spot it for the major trend that it is." Uh, so I think the reluctance is just born out of what they see immediately before their face, uh, and that is. You don't think there's any entrenched interests that that are playing a role in setting what's taught in curricula that may be preventing some of this from coming forward. Yeah, there could be some entrenched, uh, certainly some entrenched views of uh, you know of the business. This is the way we have done business. This is the way the business needs to be done. And I see that view more prevalent among older funeral directors than younger ones. In fact, interestingly, I have a number, uh, when I give presentations, there's always a young funeral director who, or a mortuary student who steps up and says, you know, I really want to do this full time. I don't really want to do the other. Or I want to be the green burial person uh, at a place. Where can I get a job? <clears throat> and. Uh, so I think those funeral directors are a little bit frustrated right now because there's not, uh, 
And I've, and I have not encouraged those young funeral directors to set out a shingle and establish themselves as the green, you know, the sole green burial provider in their in their uh, in their town. Uh, but I mean, again, I think it's I think there's this movement that's that's growing, <clears throat> and I think as a business person, you've got to look down the road and spot the trends um, and uh, that seem to be announcing themselves to you. And for lots of reasons that you and I have talked about over the years, this trend is really uh, too strong not to take root and to challenge the funeral industry and really change funeral practices, frankly. Uh, so yeah, there's some there's some entrenched views, uh, and I think there's a reluctance. This is the way the business has been done. We're set up to do this. I mean, you know, you go to a mortuary school and you really do understand that embalming is the center of of the business. Uh, and once you take that out of the picture, it's uh, it's a little bit like some of my my uh, my friends who are not vegetarians. You know, when you uh, when you when you get invited over to dinner. They don't know what to make for you. When you take meat out of the center of the plate, they don't know what to do. <laughs> and I think the same thing holds a little bit with the embalmed body. You know, once you have an embalmed body, then you throw the whole thing in, in, into, into, you know, out, out into orbit. And I think uh, funeral directors have a harder time um, figuring out, it, well, so what exactly do I do now? Uh, there's, a, there's an obvious answer to that. Um, but I think it uh, it takes a reorientation uh, of, of of practice that um, that needs to be thought thought out and and learned. Yeah, it's it's shocking when you think about the evidence out there that so much of the American public. You mentioned probably a quarter of American seniors have a preference for this. Y- you know, any smart-minded funeral director would be preparing for that. Uh, it, and I think it is inevitable, but I think this is a mistake that a lot of businesses and industries have made, you know, uh, mistaking uh, an emerging market for a fringe market. And um, and I guess the same was true really for cremation or direct cremation. This industry didn't want to acknowledge what was going on there and, and then ended up, you know, being kind of blindsided, I suppose, if you can call it that, even though it was steadily, you know, those rates were creeping up for years and years and years. But I hope that there's, you know, there's enough preparation uh, so that the industry feels like they're not blindsided, which is why I'm glad that organizations like the Green Burial Council and, and individuals like you have been able to make the case and have really gotten out to this field, I think, extensively over the last eight or nine years to say, you know, this is coming and this is what you need to be prepared for and you don't need to be afraid of it and you need to be involved. And it's it's not something that has to diminish you. It This can be, uh, you know, something that is integrated in your business and part of your, partly your cause as well, as you know. But it's uh, yeah. No, I think that, I think that's true, Joe. And I think that uh, you know, of course, nobody nobody in any industry likes change. Uh, change is hard. Uh, and if you want to be in an industry that's undergoing a lot of change, you ought to try being a journalist who's trying to make a living in the age of the internet, where only chumps pay for content. <laughs> so I do think, particularly in some of my the first presentations I made after the soon after the book came out to funeral directors, uh, you know, I did I did feel a certain amount of hostility. Because funeral directors felt, uh, who, who is this guy to come in and tell us that, uh, you know, we've got to change our business model? And so I, I understand the challenge of that. Uh, and, um, but I think, um, listen, 
every industry out there is undergoing tremendous change, and much of it is of a green nature. Uh, you know, the fastest growing segment in the grocery store is organic food, green food. Uh, we've got uh, LEED certified homes that are green, you know, are green certified in many cases. We're driving green cars. Uh, you know, I've got two kids, and they're growing up with an environmental consciousness uh, that is uh, that is really going to change the way this next generation handles all of its affairs. So, um, you know, again, getting to this whole back to this whole idea of just being a smart business person, uh, there are things that you may not like that are coming down the pike. Uh, but I think if you really want to stay in business and you want to prosper. I think you need to meet families where they're at, and green burial is going to be where they're at. Um, more and more are coming. And I think it's, uh, I don't think it's that difficult, even with the funeral directors who, uh, who serve this local green cemetery that I helped establish here uh, in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Uh, it doesn't take that much to purchase a couple of green caskets to accommodate families with home funerals to be up on what exactly green burial constitutes and be able to talk that language to them and to serve families who want something more natural. Um, and let, let me ask you, you bring up a point about caskets. I read the other day the EPA has casket manufacturers, one of their top 10 lists of, uh, of polluters. Did you, did, you, did you read that by any chance? It was uh, it was in an article last month, and I've toured a casket plant, and, and I remember, <laughs> I remember seeing two out of about a hundred guys with respirators, and I was shocked to see that. But there are funeral directors right now um, who are ordering eco-friendly green caskets, and yet have no idea about what's really in or on those products. Um, that no one's seen a material safety data sheet to know if there's toxic chemicals. You've also got embalming fluids being touted as eco-friendly, including you know one a, a, a program endorsed by a large trade association where there are toxic chemicals other than formaldehyde, and somehow that is considered green. So, what would you say to funeral directors who? are approached by these supply companies peddling caskets and, and chemicals that are touted as, as environmentally friendly. What should they be on the lookout for? Oh, wow. I mean, and this is getting back to the, to the whole challenge of the green burial movement, as I see it. It's going to be its biggest challenge. And that's to, uh, and that's to continue the movement with a large amount of integrity. I think what's going to happen, this is a roundabout way to answer your question, Joe, uh, I think what's going to happen to the green burial movement is the same thing that's happened to all great social movements, um, and it certainly happened with the organic food movement, is, um, is you're going to have success uh, with small independent operators of casket makers and green cemeteries and the like, and then as they build the movement, eventually the big guns are going to come in and they're going to see that it's profitable and then they're going to want to do green burial on a large scale. And what I worry about is the loss of value, um, that you've got to have some kind of standard or something uh, in order to, 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 to make sure that there's uh, an inherent integrity to, to what you enter into. 
so the challenge even now for families uh, for funeral directors too is to look at these products look at these services and find out if they're really true green um, and you know for for caskets uh, certainly you've got to look at all of the ingredients that go into making a casket. Um, but what funeral director can analyze a material safety data sheet? I can't. Can you? No, absolutely not. And that's why, frankly, the work that the Green Burial Council do, is doing, I think, has always been valuable. I've always been supportive of the work you're doing because I think you really do need to put a fence around Green Burial. You've got to say this is what Green Burial stands for. And if you want to be a provider, if you want to advertise yourself as somebody who's uh, offering goods and services uh, in your area of green nature, they've got to meet at least these minimal standards. And, they, and those standards have to be pretty opaque, to pretty clear to, uh, to, the, to the consumer. And that, that's also true for the funeral director. There are, you know, funeral directors are, that I know who, who work at our cemetery, they are, they're busy guys, they're busy women. Uh, they don't have time to go back and to, uh, you know, to, to dice the data uh, on, all these, uh, on all these products. So, so yes, I mean, I think standards. We've got to have uh, we've got to have standards in order to to keep every, to, to 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 make sure we don't lose value. Do you think it's something that we're going to have to rely on with these independent trust providers? Because you know, ten years ago, I I had the belief that the work of the council would be sort of temporary governance that would then be handed off to. Oh, a state Department of Natural Resources or some other body. But what I've discovered is that unless you have an idea that's revenue neutral <laughs> these days, good luck getting it funded in any governmental entity. So, you know, it's so frustrating to me. I mean, I, I, I bristle at this thought of this green economy emerging when we don't have any way of verifying environmental claims. I, I don't know how it's going to happen. wonder what you've seen out there in, in other fields too because it's really challenging work and the Green Barrel Council you know has like any small eco certifier has struggled to stay afloat and you know really would be better off if it could put money into marketing its seal but it can't because it's restricted by the amount of money it can take in which means that if it was to take in more money it would be potentially more beholden and ultimately captured by the, the entities it wants to you know oversee. I just think we have to address that issue in this country, in this world. What's your take on that? Well, listen, greenwashing is, uh, it's just, it's always been a huge problem. I mean, it's been a problem for as long as I've been following the environmental movement since, the, you know, really early 1990s. Uh, how to fund it, how to bring real integrity to it, how to keep it going, how to how to establish standards and then continue to make sure that people who have agreed to the standards keep doing so. I mean, you know, constantly going back and checking and then looking at product manufacturers. I mean, frankly, I, I, I don't see how a small organization can do all that. I mean, one option certainly is, <clears throat> is for the providers themselves to try to be as open uh, about their products and services as they can be, and for consumers to at least have as much knowledge as they can uh, to, to try to assess as much as they can whether or not a product is good or, or uh, is true green or not. And, and, you know, I think we've got families who come up to Green Meadow Cemetery, the natural burial ground here, and, you know, we walk them through the cemetery. We let them take a look at what we're doing. They're, you know, they're, they can come by at any time. 
Um, and uh, so, I mean, funeral directors will have to do the same thing, and product manufacturers. I don't know. So that's this big rambling way of saying, Joe. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I really don't know the answer. Um, I know. I, the easy answer would be, oh, put it on the Internet. But guess what? Those manufacturers don't want to reveal a lot of the, what's in their chemicals. That None of the embalming fluid manufacturers that I know of to date, other than one, has been willing to do that because they feel it's proprietary. We're just supposed to take them at their word? Really? And, and, and it's really challenging. I guess you must have dealt with the same thing on the ground in your experience with that cemetery. Now, I, I presume this is, is this acreage that's been set aside or at the cemetery, is, is it integrated into the entire cemetery where they're not requiring vaults and they're, they're doing some restoration or how is it, how is it set up there? Yeah, it's a hybrid cemetery with acreage off the side that's been fallow field that we turned into a, a natural, natural burial ground. Will the burial ground, is this area sort of set aside to be permanently protected as a little natural area in, in perpetuity? Is that the idea? We're working on that, but yes. Yeah, that's the idea. I mean, and it's clearly demarcated, and it looks obviously much different than the rest of the cemetery. We've got a sign, and uh, yeah, so the answer to your question is yes. And that's one thing I think funeral directors need to understand, too, about these green burial grounds because I think the GBC has 40 in the network. There are a number that are outside the one you described being one, but some of those cemeteries that claim to be offering green burial require the use of concrete burial vaults, which are green ostensibly because concrete comes from the earth like plutonium, I always say. And there are some of those same cemeteries that are unwilling to accommodate shrouds, even though they're offering green burial. So, you know, it's, it, again, it is let the buyer beware, but my fear with this, too, is um, that if the, if the buyer is a little too concerned about what's going on and if the environmental claims appear too dubious, they're going to stay away. And that's what I, I've been hoping, and I've been, you know, encouraged by a lot of strides the industry's taken. There's maybe two steps forward for everyone taken back, but I think there's enough smart people in the field to realize that this has to be done with the highest level of integrity or people will just opt for direct cremation or something else, you know? It just seems like it has to really invite people into this bigger story of death connecting with life if, if, if consumers are going to step up. Well, I think that's right, and I do think that shoppers are sad, particularly when it comes to funerals. I think shoppers are savvier than they used to be and particularly there's so much greenwashing going on that i that i think uh particularly when it comes to green um consumers are increasingly skeptical and like you i do worry and even at at uh at green meadow we feel great pressure to be transparent and to do things with as much integrity as we can and in fact, we had a pretty big discussion, and we have on our board funeral directors and the like um, who help us operate the cemetery. We decided uh, not to allow embalming of any kind, even with the so-called green chemicals. So because of the perception that we felt that families might feel that if a body were being embalmed at all, that that somehow wasn't green and that they couldn't trust that the the chemicals in the embalming solutions would be verifiably green. Um, so we tread with 
a lot of caution because, as you know, we're worried about driving potentially wary families away from a really good thing. Well, that's great, and um, and and that's that's I think a really responsible thing to do with uh, with the embalming, <laughs> given that you know they're green embalming chemicals that no one can vouch for. That was really sad to see, quite frankly, and I hope every funeral director out there is really careful. And they are obviously safer, but no one, no one knows what's going on. And I don't know in this day and age how anyone would pass along an environmental claim that hasn't been verified, uh, vouched for by some independent entity. It, I think it's really irresponsible. And I think what's going to happen, quite frankly, and I predict this, hasn't happened yet, but someone's going to pass along that, you know, some casket or embalming fluid or burial ground was, you know, green, legitimate. Someone is going to, some family who who depended on that representation is going to feel really angry when they find out that it's not true. And I think there's a lot of liability there for, you know, for people who go along with this without being careful um, and that's usually what happens, you know, and then everyone will pay attention. But um, I just, uh, I think that the industry has been somewhat protected because families haven't really wanted to peek behind the curtain in general when it comes to this subject matter. But I think when it comes to the people that we're talking about who are interested in green burial, I'm finding that they do care and they, they do seem, I'm, I found that with the inquiries I've had, I'm sure you've probably found the same thing. These are pretty savvy folks who who are, um, you know, I'm not saying that the environmental issues really are the big drivers here, and, and I think you found that to be the case, too, with families. But I think that for a lot of people who do rely on that promise, they, they, they you know, and that story, <laughs> they want it to be nonfiction. And I think it's incumbent upon all of us in this field to make sure that we do what we can, and that means going the extra step, meaning, you know, asking questions of suppliers and, and burial ground operators, and um, and if we can't get answers, going elsewhere, you know, uh, uh, looking at trust providers, uh, there's probably going to be more coming forward, but I think that um, to, to do otherwise is uh, to shirk responsibility that I think all of us have, you know, that are involved with this field. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I think that's right, and I think you're right about the consumers. I mean, you know, these families that are coming to these natural cemeteries, I mean, they've already stepped outside the box. They're already doing something that's a little bit different than, than most people in their communities. Uh, and I'm finding that these families have done their homework. Uh, they have thought about what they want to do. Uh, they've looked into the options. They, many families have emailed me or called me. Uh, they've they've read my book and they they've been to your web page and gotten information. They know what they're talking about when, and if they use a funeral home, uh, they're not coming in as ignorant consumers or ignorant families. Uh, so uh, so when they show up at the at the cemetery, even here they uh, they know a little bit what to look for. Um, so um, so yeah, I think uh, I think this is a pretty pretty savvy bunch. And, you know, for funeral directors, I think that that raises the bar a little bit. I think that they need to be on their game and they need to um, to maybe to, to, to go the extra mile to make sure that, number one, the natural cemetery that they're that they're burying, um, you know, local families in 
is True Green and the products that they get in, um, you know, they bring in and offer to their clients are, uh, are, are, are True Green as, as much as they can suss, suss out. Well, I think, <laughs> I hope that some of them uh, also will continue to listen to podcasts like this and get information any way they can so they get educated. And I want to thank you again for all your work and, and everything you've done to help transform this industry and deindustrialize it a bit and make people aware of, of the, you know, of the, of, of this, this, this new option out there that has so much potential, I think, to, to help families and the planet. Uh, keep up the great work, Mark, and thanks for making time today. Yeah, thanks, John. Nice chatting with you.